I'm glad you're joining us on Radio Free Georgia's In Tune to Nature program. I'm host Carrie Freeman coming to you from Atlanta in September of 2022. Today, we're going to be talking about a sustainable food justice movement to shift America's farms away from chemical and animal-based models to agroecology and veganic natural farming models with our guest, Eugene Cook, agroecological farmer, food justice activist, and co-founder of Grow Where You Are. Let me tell you more about him. Grow Where You Are has shaped and fed Atlanta for over 10 years. They practice veganic urban farming, an organic and non-animal-based way of growing crops. The Grower You Are Collective creates enterprise through food production, and their farms and gardens radiate with biodiversity and economic productivity. Their methods produce healthy local food and demonstrate eco-friendly and just systems that eliminate harm to animals and compost waste. Grower You Are also provides agroecology training and life skills workshops to evolve urban dwellers into global stewards. The nonprofit has transformed over 30 blighted properties into community food gardens and vegetable farms and trained over 500 people, including youth, in the dynamic form of urban agriculture they espouse. They envision food abundance where farms are focal points, producing and sharing nutrition between urban and agricultural communities. The website is growwhereyouare.farm. Our guest, Eugene Cook, co-founded Grow Where You Are with his wife and is an urban farmer, an agroecologist, and an internationally recognized food justice advocate. He's been a leader in Atlanta's urban agricultural scene for many years, helping to develop the nonprofit Truly Living Well Center for Natural Urban Agriculture prior to starting Grow Where You Are. In addition to all the gardens he has helped to start in schools and metro neighborhoods, Eugene has also planted 400, well, more than 400 fruit trees, throughout the U.S., as well as in Jamaica, Haiti, and Kenya, where he trained local residents in veganic growing methods. You can meet Eugene and his farming partner, Nicole, and see their fresh produce and herbs at the Freedom Farmers Market at the Carter Center most Saturday mornings, and you can get in line behind me and my dog. (laughs) Welcome, (laughs) Eugene. (laughs) It's good to be here with you, Dr. Freeman, and your wonderful audience. Thank you so much for the return invitation. Oh, yeah. Well, sometimes lately I've been to the Freedom Freedom Farmers Market and then you've been away. Nicole's saying like, oh, you're at a conference or you're giving talks. And that reminded me like, oh, hey, I have to have you back on In Tune to Nature to share your wisdom with us. So thank you for making time. Absolutely. Let's start by just kind of defining some of these terms, because most of us, most people who are listening aren't actually farming. But but I want everyone involved in the food movement. So I wanted to have you tell us what these terms mean to you. So you describe yourself as an agroecologist. What is agroecology? And and do you think that's like a food movement? Mm. Yeah, thank you. That's a great question. So I would I would start start by kind of landing where you said it's about two percent of the population is uh, growing food as farmers um, at any given time. So it's a small group of us. Right. Agroecology is a term that was uh, created by a gentleman named Pierre Rabhi, R-A-B-H-I, Pierre Rabhi. And actually, he just left the body, I think it was last year. And Pierre Rabhi is um, a man from Algeria who was instrumental in introducing a lot of people to the understanding of how living soil 
or even dead soil can be brought back to life and then living soil can produce a food network where the environment, the forest or the desert or the um, arid plains or wherever it is that we were growing food, the ecology of that environment is incorporated instead of being eradicated. Uh, I'm from Southern California originally, and I've seen farms that are set up, corporate agricultural farms that are set up in the desert, and they're growing things like alfalfa and broccoli and kale, having to totally restructure the landscape with um, concrete rivers and irrigation pipes and pumps and wells and all these things that had never were meant to be in that Southern California landscape in order to grow food. So agroecology is looking at the current ecology that you're in, wherever you might be, and figuring out how to have an agricultural system that complements that ecology rather than having to reshape the whole um, current living system. I love that. It actually, and it also makes total sense. It's it's what people used to do. Absolutely. <laughs> back yeah. in the day, if I can be uh, really specific, back in the day. Uh, within agroecology, there is the veganic way of farming. It's like organic, but with V for vegan. Um, can you explain to us what veganic farming is in terms of the way you do it? Absolutely. Uh, the thing about most organic farmers in the United States uh, is that most organic farmers in the United States are doing like an input substitution. So they might substitute chemical, petrochemical fertilizers for um, inputs that come from slaughterhouses like bone meal or feather meal or blood meal, which is the byproducts of, of animals that have been slaughtered that then gets dried and powdered and then spread, up, spread along organic fields um, as a nutrient boost. So when we are talking about doing veganic farming, the way we're creating our soil systems and our soil structure is by utilizing the plant matter that we grow on site um, from previous crops and then composting that with leaf matter that is local. Um, a lot of leaves, deciduous trees that drop their leaves, um, grass cuttings, and then adding an extra level of living energy by putting in things like kelp and um, wheat germ and, and rice bran and molasses and um, yeast and active microorganisms. And that kind of turns the mixture on. And then all of the green and brown material gets composted together. And we use that material instead of using fertilizers that come from the slaughtering of animals. Right. So it's not based on even if you want to just use the term manure, even though that's like you're saying, it goes beyond just um, animal manure, but it's actually oh, it goes, animal yeah. body parts that come from the slaughterhouse that aren't really that economically viable or something. So they just kind of use those slaughterhouse remnants. But you're avoiding that by basically composting. Correct. Scraps, Correct. And yard the scraps and then in a, such a way that it becomes fertilizer. But Absolutely. Absolutely. And that time period is typically about, uh, you know, a two to three month turnaround time period. Um, on our uh, Patreon site, we we do videos that show that process on both like a home garden scale and also on a um, sub, like an uh, uh, what do they call it? A rural farm farmstead scale. And 
it's important because the manures that people are using can be problematic from these animals as well uh, because of not because of the animals, but because of the pesticides, herbicides, and then different kind of antibiotics and yes. things like that, that that farm animals are given. But sure. if you have animals in a natural system giving off their manure and their plant-based herbivore animals, say you have a horse that's eating clean grass and this, that, and the other, it's no harm to the horse right. to get its manure. There's no, there's no cruelty involved in that. The right. issue is, is that at this time period, many of us, of course, don't have animals in our, in our, in our daily life. And the animals that are in people's lives are, you know, feeding on land that has been toxified for years based on herb herbicides. And those herbicides carry through the intestinal tract and the digestive tract. And if you use that manure, the herbicides could kill the crops that you plant. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the antibiotics and the different um, yeah. pharmaceuticals that these these animals are on can cause all types of different endocrine disruptions in the human body. Right. It doesn't even sound organic, even though it sounds like you're natural, like, oh, you're using animal manure or something. But then when you think about all the things that went into most farmed animals, it's really not natural anymore. At, but at your at your farm, Eugene, like because some of the um, like there'd be insects and there might be squirrels and chipmunks and birds. So you do have some like animals interacting with your crops, but there and so there might be some um, animal uh, feces, you know, natural. Uh, yes. Yeah, that kind of because you allow some interaction with other animals, although I'm sure you don't want deer coming in and eating your entire field, but. <laughs> But, Absolutely. You know, like there's a give and take there. Like, so do you know that you see some wildlife that kind of positively interacts with uh, your farm? Absolutely. The The thing about the agroecological system is that it it um, it pairs really well with ideas of permaculture and people who have studied permaculture understand that animals are are absolutely um, key to any living system. That's why when we came to this planet, there were animals here already. We didn't have to bring the animals as human beings. When we got here, there were already animals mm -hmm. who actually helped up, helped to plant our environment up. So we have plenty of interaction with birds and, and, um, and different reptiles. There's uh, a lot of our farm spaces, the way we judge their health is by seeing frogs and seeing yeah, turtles, yeah. even seeing snakes, you know, yeah. they're signs of a healthy ecosystem. So in our, in our um, systems, we even have pathways for deers to migrate through where we have fenced off areas for our food, but still have maintained the migrational and walking pathways that the deer had before we got to the land. That's so thoughtful and fair really to allow that natural migration. Yeah. And now, it helps because yeah. here in Georgia, there's a lot of people who hunt. And so these deer actually need sanctuaries to be able to go to. And um, we welcome having them, uh, providing them a safe space. Yeah. Oh, that's so nice. And just as a little background, uh, in this age where most farms are industrial, using chemicals, GMOs, and animal inputs, what drew you instead to veganic farming? Mm, what a good question. Um, Cause I'm sure that's you know, not that the was... way you get pushed when you're saying, you know, you want to grow food, then they're just like, <laughs> Oh, okay. Efficiency and chemicals and this True. Is the way we do it now. 
true. You're, you're very good points. And I guess that would give a little bit more background to your listeners to say that I think the biggest push for me is that I did not go through traditional agricultural education training. Okay, right. I'm a visual artist by training. I went to school for visual art prior to when I was in my 20s. I was um, doing design work. I was designing gas stations for Unical 76. And so I didn't start growing food on a serious level until I was becoming a father for the first time when I was about 28. And that was on a home garden level. And then people came to see the garden and they were affected by what they saw. And they encouraged me to teach other people. And I didn't feel like I was in any position to teach. I had learned from my maternal grandparents and from my parents, but I had not gone to an agricultural college, wasn't interested in doing agriculture, wasn't interested in doing farming. Um, which I think is a lot of the reason for the innovation of the techniques and even the innovation in how we uh, advertise and market is because I was coming from a very artistic background. I was not thinking about being a farmer. So my mind didn't have any of the traditional blockages around it or, or, or um, I guess, compartmentalizing. So yeah. as I stayed open, I met new people and new people that taught me different things. And one of my greatest mentors, a gentleman in South Central Los Angeles named Adonija Miyamura L, he showed me a system called food forestry. And because we were in Southern California, we got to focus on subtropical fruit trees. And then we were growing all our vegetables and herbs underneath the fruit trees. Cool. And he showed me that, hey, man, you can just utilize what's coming from these trees to feed the soil. The leaf matter, the, the branches can be chipped and mulched. And he showed me how to utilize the organic matter that was around us to help retain the moisture in the soil, as well as build up the, the life forces, the different life from earthworms to microorganisms to fungi. And once I saw that, which was way probably, I guess about, seven years before I started farming and moved out to Atlanta. Yeah. It was, um, I did it for so many years with him that that was how I understood soil building to be done. Right. And That's soil building. farming was, yeah. Exactly. That's <laughs> yeah. what I figured it was. It's right. like, if, if you're going to farm, you're going to build soil and soil building is done in these ways, the ways I was seeing. And when I came here with Rashid Nuri to start Truly Living Well, these were the ways that I incorporated and being in Atlanta, there was so much more organic matter, yeah. so many more trees, so much more wood chips, so much more compost. So it was just the way to go to me. Yeah. Now, if you're just joining us on Radio Free Georgia, this is In Tune to Nature. I'm host Carrie Freeman talking about shifting over to agroecological farming practices with agroecologist and veganic urban farmer Eugene Cook, co-founder of Grow Where You Are in Atlanta. Their website is growwhereyouare.farm. Um, Eugene, I wanted to ask you how popular veganic farming is becoming, because I sometimes see products in the natural food grocery stores that are starting to say they're grown using veganic methods, but still veganic is a, a word you don't see a lot. But how popular is veganic farming becoming? 
I'm not sure that I would be the one to answer that because I'm in kind of a, a bubble of people who are talking about it and doing it. <laughs> so in your so, community, it's all the rage. Yeah, we might yeah. be a little bit mis, mis, <laughs> uh, misguided and misinformed about the popularity of it. But really what's what I know is popular and is gaining a lot of popularity is regenerative agriculture. Yeah. And veganic is just a higher dimension of that same thought process. Okay. And regenerative agriculture, regenerative farming is something that is gaining popularity, but more importantly, must be, um, it has to be instituted nationwide. Yeah. Uh, we can't control the world, but we know that in America, you know, tr a tremendous amount of the farm produce is coming from one state and that's California. And California is, they're running out of water. They are overheating. They're yeah. too dry, too many fires. It's just not sustainable. And it was never the place that we needed to be growing food in that way. And now regenerative agriculture means how do you farm an area while building the soil and supporting the ecosystem um, long term? And that requires a change in behavior and a change in paradigm, really. Yeah. Like, do, do you think it can be scaled up to feed the nation, whether it's the veganic aspect of it or just regenerative agriculture uh, because right now it just seems like th there's been so much invested um, in traditional farms in the you know the Monsanto model and the chemical-based model and and so they would have to just really kind of shift away from that but they've probably been told like oh well in order to have enough um, efficiency and output for you know for everything you're putting in you have to grow this way as if like if you did it the natural way, you wouldn't make any money or there wouldn't be enough food. I mean, what what would you say to, to that? I'd say that there's a couple different conversations there, Carrie. You know, the, the one about not making enough money is a different conversation than there wouldn't be enough food. <laughs> right. So yeah, I, think, right. I think we got to decide what we're what we're about. And then when we're talking about feeding the nation, we are now because of because of a couple decades of corporate um agriculture we are now a society of people who are addicted to sugars mm. and chemicals and much of the farm much of the farming that is happening under the corporate food system is not the fresh produce that we're getting anyway it it goes towards processed and packaged food much like of which grains, is corn based you know what i mean yeah. yeah excuse me oh a lot of grains too just you know. Yeah, corn being a grain as well, and then like right. sugar beets are being yeah. used for for sodas and 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 cokes and so. So there's a lot of stuff that's happening. I mean, the potato is a major major crop, and it's mainly going to French fries. So it's not like the the scale of corporate agriculture is feeding us our asparagus, broccoli, and and <laughs> olives. That's not what's happening. Actually, nourish us like that seems like if we're going to be using all these resources that it should go like if you really want to be sustainable you're growing you're not growing sugar but yeah you're growing <laughs> right <laughs> exactly exactly so i think that you know it's it's a much more complicated question than could we do it and can it scale up yes it's got to scale up can it feed the population yes as long as the population is um informed that we are going to be going through a detox and a <laughs> cleanse at a collective level because the issue with with us as Americans in general is overconsumption. So right. 
we consume more energy than we produce. We consume more money than we produce. We consume more food than we produce. So we're we're already in a uh, a bad cycle of behavior. So in order for the veganic and the regenerative agriculture to do their thing, we must be doing things like we're doing here with you and I. We've got to educate the people that we're going to be feeding and say, hey, guess what? You may not end up with 2,500 calories every day or 3,000 or 4,000 calories every day coming from starches and processed food. It, it may, things are going to have to change, you know? The way that you've been eating, I, I, you know, as, as one that um, sees you as a, as a customer, the way that you've been eating, you think about how long you've been eating that way and what was the transition for you to get there. Now, imagine if you hadn't made that transition however many years ago, and here you were 20, 30 years down the line of being addicted to these very specific corporate food substances, it's going to be a challenge to get off of that. It really is. It like we really need so much systemic support at all levels. So it's not just for the actual farmers and the supports they're going to need, but it's also us as consumers. Yes. In terms of be, having access to and an education for cooking and a taste for these kinds of, uh, you know, basically more produce. And, Absolutely. Um, and less kind of boxed foods. And so, You're right, saying. That's a very holistic change and also you know the shift towards eating plant like relying more on eating plants and not also eating animals and animal products too you know which we talk about on the show a lot so there's like there's so many things that we would have to have to do now of course we're running out of time on the show and we and we don't have enough time to solve the world's problems here but for mm. listeners who are interested in supporting veganic farming or regenerative agriculture and a shift away from harmful chemicals and animal-based farming more towards agroecology what resources would you suggest for getting informed or active in sustainable food justice causes wow you know that's that's a that's a big one um I would definitely say to continue to follow Grow Where You Are. We're active on Instagram. We're active. Uh, we have an active Patreon site. Um, and then I say that first because we're constantly referencing other people yeah. on our Patreon and Instagram. And then you want to look into um, seeing what people like Soul Fire Farm are doing. You know, there's farmers, farmers and farm partners that we partner with who may incorporate animals in their systems, but their systems are overall about agroecology and about training people. And then there's people that are being, it's, it's a challenge to understand what's happening in the farming space because many of us do approach it at the, as the end consumer. So in Atlanta, there's the, the Black Vegan um, uh, Society, uh, ve Black Vegetarian Society. Then there's, there's um, the Veggie Taste One. There's a lot of spaces to start eating plant-based. When it comes to growing plant-based, People need to check out a well-fed world um, and then look into people when it comes to regenerative, looking into organizations like uh, Farmer's Footprint. We love what Dr. Zach Bush is doing, what he's talking about, trying to get people to understand the importance of breathing in different biomes and getting living soils happening. Doctor, I think her name is Elaine Ingham of the Soil Food Web. She's okay. got some amazing stuff on, on her um, platform as an educator. So it, there's a lot of different ways to approach it, but the most important thing is for us to be focused on the ecology and not allow differences of approach to isolate us. We've got to be working together with 
any and all people who are wanting to build the soil. So when I was invited by Sadhguru up into up to Tennessee, it was just after he had finished his Save Soil um, ride around Europe. And yeah. the Save Soil campaign is a really powerful campaign because it's galvanizing people around the fundamental root of our food system, which is the soil. Thank you so much for sharing all of those resources with us uh, that, you know, and, and people also can start by going to their local farmer's market wherever they live and meeting with the farmers and getting in the habit of trying new things. Um, that is critical. Which Terry, I've gotten critical. to do because uh, your stall always has things that you have to explain to me because they're not just the typical <laughs> things you find in the grocery store. And I think thank you for really being courageous enough to try cool. it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's the end of our show, but I want to thank you, Eugene Cook, for being with us on Radio Free Georgia's In Tune to Nature program. Thanks My for pleasure. what you do, feeding people through veganic farming, proving that you can nourish humans in a way that doesn't require animal exploitation, and it's also healthy and nourishing for all species in our ecological community. So thank, thank you. It's so been much. my pleasure. And I hope your audience has enjoyed this. Take care. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to In Tune to Nature, broadcasting every Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time, online at wrfg.org and on Atlanta radio station 89.3 FM. We post action items, news, and podcasts on the show's website, facebook.com slash Nature. The views and opinions expressed on the show do not necessarily reflect those of WRFG, its board, staff, or volunteers. I'm one of those volunteers. I'm host Carrie Freeman asking you to please support independent, non-commercial media like Radio Free Georgia. And remember to take care of yourself and others, including other species. Thank you for listening. Cheers. <laughs>